Welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the podcast where I take a deep dive into the histories of the most interesting abandoned and defunct amusements and theme parks in the world. I'm your host, Ashley. This week, I'm going to be going back to a topic that I've already covered because we've had some new stuff come out. I'm talking about Joyland this week. I'm going to be releasing a condensed version of my extended history. If you're interested in this topic, you might find the original episodes interesting also. You can find them wherever you find me on any of my channels, The Abandoned Carousel. Joyland was an incredible place. More than just a theme park, for most of a century, the park has served as a community connection, a home for those seeking light and joy in their lives. Joyland was the creation of the Ottaway family, Lester Ottaway and his sons Harold and Herb of Wichita, Kansas. In particular, Herb was interested in motorcycle racing, winning several big races in the 1930s. Through motorcycle racing, he met the Chance family, including Gerald and his son Harold. Both families had an interest in steam-powered vehicles. The Ottaways purchased a miniature steam-powered train, and the Chances built a set of steam-powered kitty cars. Together, both families spent summers throughout the 1930s hosting a small carnival for residents of Wichita, Kansas, and Manitou Springs, Colorado. As World War II began, the carnivals stopped. The population of Wichita and the surrounding areas was booming, literally doubling between 1940 and 1943 due to the aviation industry and companies like Cessna, Beach, and Boeing. The population was in need of diversion and recreation. The Ottaways opened up Ottaway Amusement Company, and they hired Harold Chance to start producing miniature steam trains based on the original Ottaway train. By 1945, they'd sold seven trains. At the same time, Herb and Harold set up a small amusement park in Plainview, Kansas, a Wichita suburb built for aviation factory workers. The park had a few rides, and it was hugely popular with its local audience, the audience that was in need of diversion. Inspired by the success of the Plainview Park, the Ottaways purchased land in the heart of Wichita, and they opened Joyland Central around 1946. The original Ottaway steam train ran there, as well as a Ferris wheel, Dodge and Bumper cars, a carousel, a roloplane, and other small midway rides. The park was a success for a population still looking for lightness and leisure after the war, and the Ottaways began eyeing improvements for Joyland. They realized that they needed more space, so they purchased land on Hillside, further out in Wichita. With Joyland Central still operating, Joyland Hillside opened on June 12, 1949, the biggest amusement park in the area, with the shiny new roller coaster being, quote, a huge deal. It was amazing, end quote. The coaster was simply called Roller Coaster, and it was designed by Herbert Paul Schmeck and built by the Philadelphia Toboggan Company. Entirely wood, Roller Coaster was one of the last all-wood coasters that was built, and it was designated an Ace Coaster Classic. It was said to have the steepest drop of any in the country at the time. The coaster originally cost 25 cents a ride, and it operated with a full ridership from morning until night. Now, besides the star attraction, there were many other popular rides at Joyland Hillside. 
there was a custom-built Allen Herschel carousel with distinctive hand-carved wooden and aluminum horses. The park also had a number of classic flat rides, including a paratrooper, more Dodge and Bumper cars, and an Eli Bridge Ferris wheel. And of course, the miniature steam train. When Joyland Central closed, its assets were merged with Joyland Hillside. One of the two Dodgem buildings that they owned was repurposed as a simple dark ride. Another iconic feature of Joyland there from the opening day in 1949 was the Wurlitzer Mammoth 160 organ. This was the largest of the earlier Wurlitzer models and had been around since 1905. The organ had been sitting abandoned in a Coffeyville mansion for two decades. The Ottaways purchased the organ, had it refurbished, and gave it a position of honor in their newest theme park. They added the piece de resistance, an animatronic clown called Louis, who sat in front of the organ and played. Quote, Louis was very important to the park and the whole atmosphere of going to Joyland. It just provided excitement instantly as he walked into the park. End quote. In 1948, the Ottaways chose to focus on their amusement park business, and so they sold their miniature train business, Ottaway Amusement Company, to their friend Harold Chance. As part of the deal, Joyland received a set of miniature ABA Santa Fe Streamliner trains in 1951, increasing the size of the Joyland fleet. In the 1950s, a pool was added to Joyland, featuring a slide and a very tall high dive. This was incredibly popular during the days when air conditioning wasn't widespread in the average home. The park even sold swim trunks for those who forgot their own. Quote, That pool seemed so big and the slide was so tall. The diving boards were really high up. There were always a lot of people in and around the pool. End quote. The park expanded with a frontier town section as part of the celebration of Kansas's centennial in 1961. There were several buildings, a stage for performances, and, of course, a classic fake Old Western gunfight, staged daily. In the mid-1960s, the Ottaways retired from Joyland, and they took their original miniature steam train with them. A new train joined the park in its place, direct from Harold Chance and his newly incorporated Chance Rides. It was a miniature C.P. Huntington steam train with serial number one. Quote, Joyland's train really launched Chance Rides, end quote. To date, Chance Rides has produced over 400 of these miniature trains, and the company reportedly became the largest amusement ride manufacturer in the world. Under new ownership, first Jerry Ottaway and Stanley Nelson, and later Stanley and Margaret Nelson, the park continued to grow and prosper throughout the 60s and the 70s. The park's original dark ride was rebuilt into something new by the noted dark ride designer Bill Tracy. The Joyland Wacky Shack was the last dark ride to receive Tracy's personal touch. Riders entered through a spooky facade and rode through the dark haunted house, where there were glow-in-the-dark scenes and spooky lighting used to great effect. The facade of the Wacky Shack has been one of the most iconic images from Joyland since the shack opened in 1974. Joyland continued to thrive. It participated in numerous local cross-promotions like the Good Grades program, where good report cards earned ride tickets. A movie called King Kung Fu and a commercial for Kellogg's Mini Wheats were both filmed at Joyland. 
There were ups and downs as competition from larger parks like Six Flags became more intense, and guests began to desire more thrills. Quote, Joyland doesn't pretend to be the park to end all parks. It's simply a hometown recreational facility that draws from a radius of about 100 miles. End quote. In 1985, the log jam was added. This was a classic log flume ride designed by O.D. Hopkins. The Joyland pool had closed some years earlier, and the log jam became the new hit during the hot summer days and nights. Guests were guaranteed to get wet. And in 1996, the last new ride in the park, the Sky Coaster, where guests were hoisted to the top of a tower and then allowed to freefall swing from a giant arch. The ride was located where the pool had originally been, and it cost an extra fee to ride. Despite guests' current-day fond memories, Joyland began to stagnate. There had been several deaths at the park. The neighborhood was taking on a rougher vibe. Attendance was down. In the modern day, theme park tourism is primarily driven by location, on large highways near major population centers. And that doesn't describe Wichita. When Joyland was built before the rise of the interstate, theme parks were a much more regional situation. A flood in 1997 closed the park for 11 critical days in the middle of the summer season, leaving behind damage to the roller coaster and half an inch of sludgy mud throughout the park. As the decade turned over into the 2000s, the park was leased to new owners, and the formerly pristine maintenance of the park began to look shabby. The frontier town section of the park was abandoned and closed off while the park was still open, and attendance just continued to stagnate. Finally, in spring of 2004, a guest fell out of the Ferris wheel. She was massively injured, but fortunately did not die. Still, this was the last straw. The Consumer Product Safety Commission got involved to investigate the accident, and the park abruptly closed in the middle of the season in July 2004. A series of lawsuits followed with the new owner missing payments on both property loans, property taxes. The park sat in uncertainty, empty of guests. By December of 2004, the sheriff's office owned the park, and the Nelson family was actually able to buy back the property. For all of 2005, the park sat empty, all rides still in place, its future uncertain. In early 2006, the park was leased to a new group. They began investing money in Joyland. The park did open Easter weekend that year, but without any rides. A contemporaneous park visitor posted about the reopening, saying it was, quote, worse off than it was before, end quote. They described the closure of the various rides and said that this was an image of Joyland that people didn't want to see. The park closed for some legal squabbles and additional renovations that year, mostly cosmetic, and reopened a couple months later in May of 2006 with a new blue and pink paint scheme. The roller coaster was given a new name, Nightmare, and a new coat of paint. Despite all these cosmetic changes and additional money invested, troubles continued. Neighbors continued to file noise complaints, and there were constant squabbles with the city about permits. And, you know, most tellingly, attendance didn't improve. In fall of 2006, the park closed for the season, and it never reopened. Quote, The unfortunate thing is that a lot of times what we'd hear from people is, Oh, you're closing Joyland down? Gosh, I haven't been out there in 20 years. And we'd go, Yeah, we know. End quote. 
Joyland sat abandoned. Weeds began to grow. Rides were either sold or stored. The Nelson family held out for a few years, reportedly only interested in buyers who would keep the property as an amusement park. But a deal never went through. By 2008, they were resigned, and they listed the property for sale for $2 million, open to any buyer. The local paper described the state of the park at the time. Quote, Weeds have grown up in concrete cracks, the wind whistles through buildings with no windows, and through the ghostly skeleton of the roller coaster, now silent. End quote. But while wheels spun on the business front, vandals and thieves made merry at the abandoned Joyland Park. Management remembered one weekend in particular, saying, quote, They, the vandals, came in and just ripped the guts out of the electrical system, and that left us absolutely unable to defend the place because we couldn't leave any lights on. End quote. With the constant vandalism at the park, it was difficult to keep a basic level of maintenance at the abandoned Joyland Park, much less to sell it. This, in turn, made the banks reluctant to invest in either the refurbishment or the sale of the park. The city did their part to make the process even more difficult, declaring the Joyland property a flood zone. In 2010 and 2011, an ambitious group of high school students organized the Joyland Restoration Project. This project had ambitious goals for buying, restoring, and expanding the park and was looking to run the park as a nonprofit. Their plans included expanded concessions, a second roller coaster, and even a water park in part of their 10-year plan. However, their plans just never came to fruition. It seemed as though any and every possible idea to save the park was tried. The park was even listed for sale on eBay for a while. Everyone speculated about the reason the park wasn't moving. A lot of it seemed to do with the neighborhood. Quote, Joyland is not on the best side of town, and that is why no one has purchased the land and torn it down already. The only things that the land could really serve as is something unique like Joyland. End quote. Still others describe the neighborhood as, quote, a scary part of town. End quote. Vandalism continued to rise at the abandoned Joyland Park. Starting in 2011, a series of vandalism and arson really spelled the end for Joyland as we know it. The Opera House at Joyland, which was known for its picnics, puppet shows, movies, and corporate retreats, was completely burned down by fire. Police suspected arson. In 2011, the bathrooms were destroyed in a fire. Police suspected arson. In 2012, a storage building was partially damaged by fire. Three teenagers were seen fleeing the park and police suspected arson. By 2014, the city of Wichita stepped in. They claimed that the Nelsons had failed to properly maintain and secure the premises. Joyland had become an attractive nuisance, and it needed to be demolished. Plagued by constant vandalism, in their opinion, the park was simply beyond repair. What had once been a vibrant, thriving family theme park was now a hazardous wasteland, covered in graffiti and weeds, ruinous and sad. One urban explorer commented in 2017, quote, There are heaps of debris everywhere and evidence of fires and graffiti at every turn. It is eerie and sad to remember having fun there, and now it's just an abandoned ruin. End quote. A windstorm swept through Wichita in April of 2015, massively damaging Joyland's roller coaster. Portions of the track collapsed, and the entire coaster structure was visibly structurally unsound. 
On July 23, 2015, the remainder of that historic Philadelphia Toboggan Company wooden roller coaster was demolished. Perhaps the final insult to the once-thriving Joyland Park came on August 8, 2018. The iconic Wacky Shack building was completely destroyed by fire. Police suspected arson. In November of 2018, the land where Joyland once sat was purchased at auction by a private buyer for $198,000, 10% of its asking price 10 years earlier. After my original episodes on Joyland were released, it was announced that these new owners, Gregory and Tina Dunnigan, have plans to transform the eyesore that is Joyland into a new attraction. They intend to use part of the property for tent rentals, private events, outdoor festivals, and a paintball range. Their plans come before the city council this summer, and it's wonderful to hear plans about the property's eventual revitalization. For those who love Joyland, remnants of the park are still present in the community and in private collections. Local shops have some items, including the Lion Drinking Fountain at the Donut Hole and the original Joyland Arcade sign at the Churn and Burn. The original Ottaway train is in a private collection and can be seen on occasion during Ottaway or Chance events. The Historic Preservation Alliance of Wichita and Sedgwick County has a number of artifacts, such as the large caboose that formerly resided in Frontier Town. The original neon animated sign that once lived at Joyland Central was also purchased and saved, featuring an animation of two clowns above the name Joyland. Along with the stagecoach, the old woman's shoe, and the original roller coaster ticket booth, these artifacts were reportedly purchased in 2010. These larger items sit dismantled in storage, waiting for eventual restoration. The biggest remnant of them all is the 1949 Herschel Carousel. It was donated in 2014 to the local Botanica, a community garden in Wichita. The entire carousel is in the process of being restored, including a complete rewiring, a new paint scheme, and new LED lights throughout. Each of the carousel's original horses have been hand-restored by local carousel restoration artist Marlene Urban. Quote, This one is special to me because it is the carousel of my youth in my town. I imagine I have ridden every horse several times during my lifetime. End quote. Each horse takes at least 100 hours or more to restore. Botanica is building a brand new pavilion complex to house the Herschel Carousel, and it will reportedly be one of only five remaining original Herschel Carousels in the world. Irvin completed the restoration of the Carousel horses in April of 2019, and the expected opening date for the restored Carousel in Botanica's Carousel Gardens is fall of 2019. Joyland still inspires fond memories today. Everyone who talks about Joyland remembers it in the context of family and community. First coasters, first kisses, first dates, all that happened at the park. The rides were the icing on the cake. It was all about the people you met and the connections you made. Yes, Joyland is iconic in its abandonment, and it became a haven for vandals and urban explorers. But the park's memory remains far more than that. True to its name from the beginning, the amusement park brought joy to Wichita for decades, and it will forever hold a special place in the hearts of those who visited. Quote, It was a place where you could take your kids. It was just a nice 
pleasant, uncrowded place. End quote. Thanks for listening to this condensed history of Joyland. If you enjoyed it, you might enjoy the expanded version. Check it out on my podcast, The Abandoned Carousel, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. I do video versions of each episode as well. If you have any suggestions for parks you'd like to hear me cover or attractions or any feedback on any of the episodes, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me across social media as The Abandoned Carousel. And you can find me on Twitter as Carousel Abandoned. My website is theabandonedcarousel.com. I'll be back next week with another great episode. So I'll see you soon. As Lucy Maud Montgomery once said, nothing is ever really lost to us as long as we remember it.